Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Sustainable Investing Perspectives on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus on the potential path forward for infrastructure here in the U.S. and the prospects for green initiatives, along with the growing buzz surrounding hydrogen, some sustainable investing themes to consider for your portfolio, and more. So joining me for the conversation today, glad to welcome Michelle LaLiberty, Thematic Investment Associate for the American with the UBS Chief Investment Office, as well as Amy Farrell, Sustainable Investing Specialist with UBS Asset Management. So, Michelle, Amy, it's great to be with you both here on the podcast today. Looking forward to our conversation. I know there's a lot of ground that we want to cover, so uh, perhaps, Michelle, we can begin with an update on U.S. infrastructure given the fluidity of negotiations in Washington, D.C. I know there is currently a fair amount of uncertainty surrounding the path forward for U.S infrastructure legislation. So, Michelle, I'm curious to hear your expectations in terms of what such a bill might look like and what is important for investors to watch at this time. Sure, and thanks for having me. Uh, I think what you said is fluidity is is the key word there, um, and it really is an evolving story. Um, There's a new headline almost every other day about what may or may not be in this bill. And a few weeks ago, the headline was that a bipartisan agreement had been reached uh, and that totaled about $973 billion of expenditures over five years. And about $400 billion of that total uh, would be provided by funds that have already been appropriated for COVID-19 uh, relief and stimulus. So it would be about 573 in new spending. But that said, uh, since this announcement, we've seen several additional headlines that indicate it might not be so straightforward. So there's a lot that remains to be seen, and that's the number one takeaway here. And to your question on you know, what's important for investors to watch, I think investors are going to be looking at the final size and scope of this bill. Uh, will there be any incremental spending that's significant enough uh, to benefit certain companies And the details are going to be important, too, right? Because until we get that fine print, uh, the investment implications are still limited uh, until we know those details on where the spending is actually going. Now, there have uh, been talks of a potential Part 2 bill, uh, meaning that they would pass this smaller bipartisan agreement and then uh, potentially add additional initiatives that were left out uh, of the first package through the budget uh, reconciliation process. Now, as it stands, uh, one takeaway from what we've seen is that it is seemingly skewed uh, more towards traditional infrastructure. Uh, In the realm of green, there does seem to be some scope uh, for water infrastructure and also for electric vehicle spending, uh, but still at a smaller scale than what was announced on the campaign trail. So for electric ve- electric vehicles, for example, uh, the most recent number I've seen was right around $15 billion in spending um, versus over $100 billion in spending, which was announced on the campaign trail. So these are the types of details uh, that we're going to be watching over the next few weeks and months as the story continues to, to play out here. Well, thank you, Michelle, for sharing with us your take. To your point, it will be interesting to see what comes to fruition, if anything, ahead of this August recess, which is quickly approaching, or perhaps as we extend out into the fall months. So, Amy Farrell, I do want to bring you into the conversation, and it may be a surprise to some that the preliminary proposal uh, did lack a clear 
outline around green spending. So, Amy, can you take a couple of moments to tell us a bit more about what this means for ESG investing and for the portfolios in UBS Asset Management? And then maybe a bit further, Amy, where do you see the most investment opportunity or even risk if the legislation does not come to fruition? Yeah, thank you, Dan. And as Michelle um, already outlined, uh, the provisions that are in the infrastructure bill um, and in that smaller bipartisan agreement um, really can be bifurcated into two groups. So we have traditional infrastructure, which includes roads, bridges, ports, water infrastructure. And then secondly, we do have climate spending provisions that are associated with EV infrastructure. So, um, you know, these themes for us as sustainable investors here at UBS Asset Management, these themes have been included in our investable universe for quite some time now. Um, Just to take a step back, we're looking for companies that have sound ESG practices. And by that, I mean they have good approaches to their environmental policies. They uh, treat their employees well. They are careful in um, the oversight of their supply chains, and they have good governance. So in addition to having high ESG characteristics, we're also looking for those companies that are providing products and services that are linked to sustainability themes. And today we're talking really about green spending. So let's dive into some of the opportunities. And I believe these opportunities will exist irrespective of the either the bipartisan agreement or the broader um, the broader bill. Um, let's let's deep dive into green tech. Um, and by that, I'd like to talk a little bit about smart mobility, energy efficiency, and clean air and carbon reduction. So again, this has been an investable theme for many years for us. It's driven by consumer preferences. It's driven by investor demand from high net worth individuals all the way to institutional investors. And it's also driven by global regulatory changes. So again, irrespective of that final infrastructure bill, we still see a lot of opportunities. So to go more specific, we're talking about auto parts, batteries, electronic components. These types of inputs, they'll result in safer, uh, greener, smart mobility. So in addition to that, we can also think a bit about companies that are falling within the clean air and carbon reduction category. Um, By way of example, data centers, uh, which can allow for energy savings um, as opposed to on-site storage for businesses or even for individuals. Um, In addition to that, we can even look at some of those companies that are providing clean air technology. Floating wind farms are just one example of some of these innovations. So I would say that for us as sustainable investors, particularly in our active equity solutions, we have found investable themes across green tech and also within the broader uh, traditional infrastructure theme that are attractive, both from a high ESG perspective, as well as providing those solutions for tomorrow. Well, thank you for that, Amy, for highlighting those ESG implications and for hitting on some of those thematic opportunities and risks to be mindful of as we continue to monitor these ongoing and uncertain infrastructure negotiations. And uh, Michelle, while the infrastructure bill here in the U.S. is indeed uncertain, as we now pivot over to our second focus topic for today, uh, we have continued to hear a lot 
of buzz around hydrogen. So before we move on from green, Michelle, can you tell us a bit more about what these opportunities are, uh, the type of fuel presents in relation to the energy transition, and what are some of the challenges to adoption or some of the risks that investors should be mindful of? Sure, thanks. So in terms of the, the use cases for hydrogen, uh, it can already be used to power cars, even larger vehicles. Um, it can provide power for industrial processes. And the benefit of hydrogen is that when it's consumed, it doesn't create emissions. The byproduct it produces is only water. Uh, however, that doesn't mean that all hydrogen is green. And in fact, uh, the large majority of hydrogen today is produced using fossil fuels. So that's typically referred to as gray hydrogen. Uh, in some cases, there are uh, sequestration techniques that aim to capture the emissions from the production process. Uh, and in this case, it's been deemed blue hydrogen. Uh, but the truly clean form of hydrogen would be green hydrogen, uh, which means renewable energy sources would be used in the production process as opposed to fossil fuels. And that just makes up a very, very tiny, tiny sliver of hydrogen today. And the challenge here, though, is that green hydrogen is still relatively costly. And to bring this to scale, we also need a lot more renewable capacity as well. And when we think about uh, transport more specifically, there's also a pretty severe lack of hydrogen uh, charging or refueling infrastructure. So for this reason, uh, we could see it deployed uh, potentially in longer range transport uh, rather than consumer. But going forward, uh, the role of policy and of government is really going to be important uh, for the progression of this industry. Okay, so quite a few factors there that are fueling the buzz around hydrogen. So, Amy, maybe moving beyond hydrogen for a moment, how is the energy transition being reflected in investment strategies? Sure. Thanks, Dan. Well, um, there's really three ways that we see the energy transition impacting portfolios. The first is what I'd like to refer to as the greening of the portfolio. And that's where either um, constraints are applied to, to the investable universe, either at the sector level or at the individual security level, where certain sectors or names are literally back out of the investable universe. Um, and, and by the same token, we've also seen some investors underweighting these same sectors or, or securities vis-a-vis their benchmark. And this, is, this type of strategy is typically utilized by institutional investors. The second um, approach that I'd like to highlight is the greening of stocks or securities within the investment portfolio. And this is really interesting because it's really been um, something that uh, is applied more directly to heavy industry or other carbon-intense sectors. And this is where we see these types of companies literally transforming their business models and decarbonizing. And in doing so, by incorporating new technologies to transform their businesses, we, we actually see these companies make aggressive, making aggressive change. And, and we view these as a great commercial opportunity. And these types of changes and these types of companies are well aligned with our fiduciary duty to deliver returns and also manage risk. And then the final way that we see um, this transformation taking place in portfolios is where we're seeing companies that are actually providing solutions. 
And in this case, this could be around biofuels, for example, um, solar panels, which we've already touched upon, um, or, or even utility scale energy storage solutions. So those three categories are the ways that we're seeing portfolio managers approach the energy transition. Well, Amy, it sounds like there are quite a few avenues for putting money to work as it relates to the energy transition. So thank you for highlighting just a few for us. So at this point, as we pivot now to our next and final focus area on the podcast today, it does question whether it is sufficient to just focus on green. So Michelle, while headlines within ESG investing may seem to focus more narrowly on climate change and the green transition, transition. In reality, there are a number of themes that UBS considers sustainable that are not narrowly focused on these green topics. So can you highlight a few of those for us? Sure. I think that's a, that's a great point. There's a lot more to thematic and sustainable investing uh, than just the E in ESG. And Staying in the, the realm of sustainable themes, though, um, I'll just point to our smart, smart mobility theme for one example. This, is, this, of course, touches on green, right? It includes electric vehicles and, and greener transport, but it also stretches beyond that to include autonomous driving as well, uh, which further down the line uh, could also help to reduce accidents that are typically caused by human error. And I also think it helps to think about the entire supply chain, right, and certain verticals that might not be obvious. So, for example, when we think about green, Financials uh, can also play a role here because they can provide funding uh, to green tech companies and thus uh, they would be relevant as well. Uh, but someone that's taking a narrower approach uh, might miss this type of opportunity or this type of vertical. And, and that's why we like to think about themes and sustainability in a holistic sense. And finally, um, I just wrap up by saying you know, there are a number of themes that touch on sustainability but have almost uh, no relation to climate at all. So investing with board diversity in mind, for example, uh, might fall into this category. So themes not only stretch uh, far beyond environmental, but also in order to properly capture that environmental opportunity, uh, investors do need to think broadly across industries. Michelle, maybe we can run with this for a few more moments. As a quick follow-up, how do we here at UBS, Michelle, suggest investors think about incorporating these themes that you shared with us into their portfolio allocation in order to capture all relevant opportunities? Take a diversified approach and there are really two uh, primary reasons for that. Number one, uh, being diversified within one theme. Uh, so if we think about just the style of one theme for a minute, uh, being diversified within that theme can help investors avoid idiosyncratic risk. And that risk tends to be quite high uh, when a company or even an industry as a whole uh, is in the early stages of growth. It's very hard to pick winners at early stages and you know, remember, Amazon wasn't the first bookstore, right? So it's hard to kind of pick these winners so early in the process. So being diversified within the theme uh, can help to you know, that high idiosyncratic risk. And then the second part of that, and number two, is being diversified across themes can help to balance out performance during periods where one theme is out of favor. So, for example, if you only invested in clean energy, uh, you probably had a really great 2020 in terms of returns. Um, but in the first half of this year, that would have really hurt uh, without any other exposures to help balance that out. 
Um, so while we do expect long-term themes in general to be enduring, uh, meaning we expect them to play out regardless of business cycle dynamics and different political regimes, uh, there are still cyclical factors that can cause short-term fluctuations and volatility. So, for example, a theme that's very heavily exposed to industrials might tend to perform better when industrial activity uh, is ramping up, and then, of course, vice versa. So, so overall, we do tend to point to a holistic and a diversified approach to, to themes because that can help you know, avoid some of these common pitfalls. Thank you, Michelle, for that guidance. It sounds like diversification is indeed key. So, Amy and Michelle, it was great catching up with you both today on the podcast and hearing your insights into these fluid and widely followed topics, along with your guidance on allocation ideas to consider for portfolios. Much here we can follow up on, so looking forward to continuing the conversation at some point, although thank you again for your time and insights today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Today we've been joined by Michelle LaLiberty, Thematic Investment Associate for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office, as well as Amy Farrell, Sustainable Investing Specialist with UBS Asset Management. So as a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. Uh, These resources can all be located up on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including, of course, the publication which we have been citing during our conversation today, the latest Sustainable Investing Perspectives publication. So for clients of UBS, you can contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the publication directly or if you do have any follow-up questions. Sustainable Investing Perspectives is part of the UBS Conversations podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliates. The views and opinions expressed in this material by external guest speakers are those of the author, speaker, and are not those of UBS, its subsidiaries, or affiliates. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over the content of this material or any claims, losses, or damages arising from the use or reliance of all or any part thereof. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient, and is published for informational purposes only. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.